You're listening to Chickens Can't See Cubes, the podcast all about absolutely 100% true facts that are not made up. I'm your host, Piper Dawes, and with me as always is Christopher Parr, director of the Munchausen Institute for Totally Real Research. Hello, Chris. Hello. 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 Ah, um, Chris, can you can you hear me? Hello, Piper. I'm joking. It was a, a simple lampoon on my part. Right. I mean, I don't really want this high level of anxiety to start with. So <laughs> let's just, just say hello like a normal person, you idiot. <laughs> Chris has gathered his favourite facts from the Institute's activity this week, and he's going to share them with us today. During this lockdown, the Munchausen Institute has struggled to stay afloat, but we heard some good news recently from the UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson, who is doing his best, and that's apparently a good thing. Oh, bless him. Bless his little cotton socks. He's doing he's doing his best, isn't he? Oh. All he's got is an English public school education and quite possibly a great deal of money to his name, but he's, he's doing the best he can. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like we might finally come out of our houses in the summer and go back to work. So how's the Institute taking this news, Chris? Well, it's very exciting. We'll be able to get our office space back. I can move the facts out of my house and back to their home in our fact vault. Great. And we can get back to field research because those fields aren't going to research themselves. We haven't had any field facts yet, Chris. Well, because we can't go to the fields. That's true. For the first episode after lockdown ends, it's going to be field facts. <laughs> right. Well, shall we do some facts then? Not about fields about whatever's on your desk. Uh, yes, I do have some some strange things on my desk today. Do <laughs> you? Right, well, let's get into it then. May the facts be with you. Like in the Star Wars. Right on time, as always, it's the very first fact. Let's take a closer look and see if we can learn something together. The USA once had a ghost for a president. Right, we've talked before on this show about non-human electoral candidates, haven't we, Chris? Yes, there was the bird who was a mayor for a short time. Yes. Were there others? Probably. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, the point is various animals have been sworn in as mayors of American towns, including birds, goats cats but never as world leaders and i've never heard of a ghost doing well much of it much of anything let alone presidential maybe it's not a bad idea though given america's track record with their presidents what do we know chris so in 1841 william henry harrison the ninth president of the united states died just 31 days after being sworn into office of either typhoid pneumonia or paratyphoid fever his death sparked a constitutional crisis in America, as it was at the time unclear whether Vice President John Tyler would be merely acting president or actually assume the office of president. So there was a week during which the United States didn't actually have a president. Or did they? <laughs> right so what so so they improvised and just pretended a, a ghost was president while they didn't have one well maybe they were pretending or maybe not during this week of uncertainty staff in the white house reported a spate of spooky occurrences mostly in the oval office and harrison's former rooms objects would move mysteriously when no one was looking People heard whispers just within earshot and felt an invisible presence in the room with them. And the temperature in the Oval Office dropped dramatically, a chill which no number of logs on the fire could dispel. Strangest of all was that executive orders placed on the presidential desk for Tyler to sign in his role as acting president were later found to have been signed by, or apparently signed, by the deceased Harrison. Wow, okay, so so it sounds like we've definitely got a ghost on our hands. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty convincing. But uh, how, wait, uh, hang on a second. When you say that there were objects moving when there was looking... How do they know they were moving if they were always looking? Well, because they were in one place at one time, and then they looked away, and when they looked back, they were in a different place. Oh, right. So, yeah, that's conclusively... That, <laughs> that means that there there's no human involvement whatsoever, and that is... Well, no, no living human involvement. Am I, am I, am I right, Chris? 
Possibly. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> well, I said that without moving my lips. <laughs> right. So did they consider just keeping this ghost president then? Well, Tyler wanted this potentially paranormal activity kept secret, lest it should undermine his own efforts to get himself officially confirmed as president. Nevertheless, word of Harrison's occult administration made its way to Congress and through the debate surrounding Tyler's role into disarray. They were leaning towards ratifying Tyler's motion to be made full president. But the bombshell of Harrison's haunting split the legislature. A splinter group of representatives and senators advocated maintaining Harrison's tenure by having a medium channel the late president for the remainder of his term. And they even went as far as bringing a medium into the Capitol building who claimed that Harrison had agreed to have his presidency channeled and that this should be taken as an executive order. Whoa, okay. So they so they did actually apparently make contacts and and and, and this uh dead president was well up for it then. He was well up for it. He was buzzing. He was going to be lit. <laughs> Fire as the kids say. <laughs> His administration would have slapped. Oh, well, I mean, what we've done here, Chris, is is we've we've suddenly made ourselves appear not only very old, but also very white. <laughs> no, man, we're cool. We're with it. We're popping fresh. <laughs> we're we are we are hip and cool. We are what's happening. We are indeed what is occurring. Yeah, we are. We are. We are the current state of affairs within the immediate vicinity <laughs> what was that what were we talking about a ghost ghost <laughs> president um so yeah he was he was down with the concept of being president even though he was slightly handicapped by being dead yeah so this medium reckons that he was he was well up for it and, and then and then and then they, they'd what they'd, they'd just crack on with with him being president through this to this other person what happened what happened then then did they, did they swear the new president in or, or did they just try and wait to see if they could actually get this whole ghost president thing to work well the splinter group's plan for a mediated presidency fell through when the medium was revealed as a fraud when she forgot who she was supposed to be channeling and pretended to be alexander hamilton who as we all know was never president right yes we do, we do know that yes so Congress ratified the 25th Amendment, which clarified presidential succession, and John Tyler was sworn in as the 10th President of the United States. According to staff, when news of Tyler's assumption of the presidency reached the White House, it was followed by a brief but terrifying spurt of poltergeist activity as the ghost of William Henry Harrison threw a spectral tantrum at not being president anymore. Wow. Okay. So the, the word got back to the White House. How did that get back then? Did they just like, what, this is the 1800s, so what, telegram? Well, the White House is near the Capitol building. It's in the same... Oh, did they just shout it across the road? Well, they're both in Washington, D.C., so, you know, it's not like they would need to, like, ride on a horse for several weeks to get word. Yeah, okay. I mean, I had I had a moment where I was just thinking maybe, like, this ghost was just living in the telegraph wires and he was just like, ah, ha, 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 ah, no, no, I'm not having that. <laughs> right, so can you... <laughs> For the listener at home, can you explain what you mean by poltergeist activity? Because there are some people who are very privileged in the fact that they've never actually had a ghost attack their house before. So what would that look like, Chris? Oh, well, I've never had a ghost attack my house either, but I know what poltergeist activity is. All right. Well, there are some people who have the privilege of having not seen the 1982 film Poltergeist or anything to do with ghosts, I guess. What, anyway, what I'm saying is, if there's someone who doesn't know what the fuck you're talking about, do you want to just explain? Right, yes. So objects like threw about the room violently and furniture shit, and that was it, really. Right. Yeah, that does sound terrifying. You're right. I mean, with the right, with the right sort of, if the if the lights are down pretty low and it's sort of nighttime and 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 it's all a bit quiet. The right soundtrack as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some crescendoing strings will really sell it. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, that's what that's what it's really like in real life, definitely. So, <laughs> so yeah, we reckon that. Do we reckon that Harrison had a had a had a bit of a tanty, and he was just yeah, he was just just annoyed. Even though, even though he he died, and that's usually a pretty solid ending to your presidency, isn't it? Even though he died, and then he'd had a second go for a little bit, and then he's like, right, do you know what? No. I don't like this. I want to be president forever. Well, to be fair, the Constitution of the United States at that time was unclear as to what would happen to the office of the president after the president dies. Oh, right. Okay. So he might have hung around assuming that death was not an excuse. (laughs) So was this like a, a later amendment then? Well, as I said, not five minutes ago the 25th amendment was ratified a week after he died yes i do remember that now yeah (laughs) it's a good job they can put amendments in the in the constitution it's almost you know you think sometimes you listen to republicans commentary on political debate and stuff and it's almost like they think that can't happen but it does happen it has happened a lot of times more than 25 times and and like i feel like if it didn't it it well might still have a ghost president to be honest like Right, Chris, so so did William Henry Harrison, did he carry out any other notable presidential duties during his time as ghost president? Some of his supporters in Congress claim that his ghost somehow made its way to the Capitol building and gave a presidential address, which they heard as a barely audible whisper. Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, if there's stuff going on in the Capitol building, you're not really going to hear it, hear a whisper at all, are you? No. And also he's a ghost. Yeah, I mean, I, I suspect probably only one person heard that. And they went, yeah, that was, that was the ghost. I heard it. <laughs> Definitely wasn't the wind. <laughs> did you do anything else? That was it? Was that it? Just did a little whisper. Just went, psh, psh, psh. that was it. The, no, uh, the French ambassador who was unaware of Harrison's death claims to have had a productive meeting with the late president two days after his death. Now that is interesting. When pressed on the matter, the ambassador did admit that he thought it odd that during their meeting, Harrison never touched anything in the room and might have even floated a few centimetres off the floor. I mean, it's weird that it's weird that he didn't lead with that. I mean, <laughs> I'd come out of the room and go, guys, look, there's a flying man. <laughs> but no, no, you see, they're so understated, the French, aren't they? <laughs> yes, they're, they're so... Subtle and reserved. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, so he had a meeting and he did a little bit of a whispering. Cool. Well, I mean, he could have done worse things. If we could contact Ghost properly and simply, do you think that we should continue their tenure until they move on, or should we just end it when they die, like we know normally? It depends what the job is. I mean, if it's a physical job that can't really be done by a ghost unless through a medium, then you wouldn't really want an untrained medium claiming to be channeling someone doing any kind of precision work. Yeah, like you wouldn't want a ghost surgeon, would you? No, no, you wouldn't. No, if a surgeon dies, you give the job to another living surgeon. Yeah, because there'd be uproar. There's not many jobs as it is, Chris. And I think if ghosts start taking jobs... Coming over here from the afterlife, taking our jobs. <laughs> I say the ghosts should remain in heaven and concentrate on making it economically viable. Right, listen, you're silly. That's, that's very silly, obviously, but moving back to the subject at hand. Yep. Chris, this this is this is very exciting, but is it is it the only recognized paranormal activity that's happened in the White House? No, actually. Ooh. Famously, Abraham Lincoln's ghost supposedly haunts the White House, though he has yet made no claims on the presidency. Lincoln's ghost has allegedly been seen by the likes of Eleanor Roosevelt, Lady Bird Johnson, and Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill? But he doesn't even live in America. Well, as another world leader, he was visiting the White House. Apparently the story is he was in the bath and he came out into the adjoining room all naked-like and Lincoln was there. And Churchill said something like, oh, sorry, I didn't see you there. And Lincoln smiled ruefully and then disappeared. 
I reckon it's the sort of thing you'd do if you reckon the day's not going particularly well and you haven't been interesting enough. Just be like, <laughs> hang on. <laughs> I haven't made enough of a mark. I'm going to pretend I've seen a ghost. I do want to use today, Winston. Oh, um, uh, I saw the ghost of Abraham Lincoln while naked. <laughs> Either that or he hadn't brushed up on his American politics history and he was just like, oh, yeah, it was great. It was a great little trip to America. I went to the White House. Oh, did you meet anyone famous? Yes. A- 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 Abraham Lincoln. Famous and alive, Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> like, isn't he dead? Ah, oh, yes, it was a it was a, it was a ghost. While naked. <laughs> um Apparently, Donald Trump had a habit of blaming things on ghosts. Chris, is this a Donald Trump fact you're about to give us? <laughs> it, it might be. I mean, I have said Ooh. Donald Trump in a fact-based podcast, so... Right. Well, okay, so so what sort of things has he blamed on ghosts? So whenever a White House staffer accused him of some impropriety, he would say that it wasn't him and it must have been a ghost. Yeah, I can see him doing that, to be honest. Bloody child. When you say impropriety, do you mean like, just off the top of my head, inciting fucking insurrection? No, um, I'm pretty sure he would want to take all the credit for that. Yeah, I suppose. Even though even though everyone was like, you can't do that. That's literally illegal. Um, <laughs> he'd be like, no, I did it. Done it, done it, done it. Prick. He's a knobhead, isn't he? It's time for another factoid. That's a fact that's compact and easy to fit in your pocket. Explain the details of this pocket-sized fact for the listener at home, please, Chris. A man dressed as a gorilla spent two days on display in Dublin Zoo. Cool. (laughs) Uh, As a species, we are prone, for whatever reason, to anthropomorphize animals we give them cute names like paul or stephen we even dress them up like people or elect them as mayors of small american towns but it's rare that it's ever done the other way around the idea of a man being mistaken for a gorilla seems ludicrous enough but for two whole days what happened so to ensure that their staff know what to do should an animal escape zoos often conduct escape drills in which one employee pretends to be an escaping animal and the rest try to prevent them getting out of the zoo. To make these escape drills more realistic and or fun, the person pretending to be an animal sometimes dresses up as the animal. So if the zoo is simulating, for example, an elephant escape, they might throw on an elephant mask and go, all right, I'm an elephant, I'm going now, bye. I'm going to go play some elephant Jenga. For clarification, that's elephants playing Jenga, not Jenga using elephants. All right, bye, bye, bye. <laughs> and then they would run off through the zoo and the other employees would chase them down. Okay, makes yeah, makes perfect sense. I mean, that is hilarious from the get-go there. I mean, people dressed as animals is always funny, isn't it, Chris? But like, so let's just clarify, man dresses as gorilla for training purposes. Fine. What, what happens to make him spend two days in the gorilla enclosure then? So in 2019 at Dublin Zoo, they were going to simulate a gorilla escape and zookeeper Colin O'Shaughnessy was going to be the gorilla. However, the drill was cancelled at the last minute, but O'Shaughnessy was already in his gorilla suit and ready to go. So he didn't see the WhatsApp message telling him that it was cancelled. Apparently he was going a bit method and gorillas don't have phones, so. Oh, right. Okay, so he was doing... He wasn't just that intern putting on the on the elephant mask and saying, I'm an elephant now, bye. He was being pretentious about it. Right? I feel like this is his own fault. I bloody hate method actors. <laughs> All right. It's just annoying, isn't it? Just try acting, prick. <laughs> Touch the nerve there, obviously. Yes. <laughs> 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 Um, so oblivious to the fact that his colleagues were getting ready to go home, O'Shaughnessy set off through the zoo towards the nearest exit, pounding his chest and making gorilla noises. And his colleagues must have said to themselves, 
oh no, an actual gorilla is actually escaping because that obviously can't be Colin in a gorilla suit because we sent him a message on WhatsApp, which we're assuming he has read without checking how many ticks there are and promptly jumped into action to prevent the assumed ape's escape. Right, okay. So, I mean, I'm surprised they didn't just pull a harambe and shoot him in the face. Well, silver lining. Turns out that the Dublin Zoo team are rather proficient at preventing their animals from escaping because they quickly caught what they thought was an actual gorilla. O'Shaughnessy was shot with a tranquilizer dart and returned to the gorilla enclosure, where he slept for a day because of the comparatively large dose of tranquilizers needed to subdue a fully grown gorilla. So no full-on Harambe heroics from the Dublin Zoo team, thankfully. No, that is good. But also, I mean, is surprise. I mean, what happens if it's like what's bigger than a gorilla? Elephant. If it was an elephant, they they'd have had to use more tranquilizer. Probably would have killed him anyway. So it's probably good that he's a gorilla. Yeah, I mean, to be fair. Piper, an elephant is significantly larger and physiognomically different from a human being. You're not going to mistake a man in an elephant mask from an actual elephant. That is an incredibly good point. Um, so, so, <laughs> um, just brushing under the rug my stupidity there for a second. Um, oh, brush all you want, it's going in the edit. <laughs> That's fair. It's, <laughs> it's the punishment I deserve. Right, so he got stuck in the cage. Presumably he woke up after a bit. How did he escape? So when O'Shaughnessy woke up on the second day, he spent his time trying to convince visitors to Dublin Zoo that he wasn't really a gorilla, but a human being in a gorilla suit. So, so he was... How would you convince people that you're not a gorilla if you look like a gorilla, though? Well, he tried writing words on the ground. Could just be a clever gorilla. He tried to steal pen and paper from visitors to write a note describing his predicament. I imagine he didn't didn't actually manage to get... No. No, okay. He tried engaging visitors in a game of charades, choosing the original 1968 Planet of the Apes as his film. I feel like people are just think that's that's you that's that's something that the trainers had trained him to do as like a tourist joke. Like that that's not gonna work, is it? What else could he possibly have done though? Well, eventually O'Shaughnessy realized that he could just take off his gorilla suit head, reveal himself as a human being, and say, with human words from his human mouth, I am not a gorilla, but Colin O'Shaughnessy, a human being who happens to be in a gorilla suit. Right. Yes. Uh, I feel like you'd probably have to do that away from the children. Because if, if I think if, 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 I was, if I was a kid looking through the glass at a gorilla, or what I thought to be a gorilla, I would be very shocked if the gorilla pulled its own head off. It's like seeing the um, shopping centre Santa Claus having a, a quick drink round the back without his beard on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, worse than that, because it's, it's basically a wild animal just ripping its own head off in rage. He's probably, it's an absolute last resort after he's done all the charades thing and like all of the other stuff. And so he's probably quite stressed out at this point and just like goes, oh, for fuck's sake, just rips his head off. And this like five-year-old kid on the other side of the glass just screams. Or maybe that a five-year-old kid that grows up to be some kind of weird truther on YouTube saying that gorillas don't actually exist and all the gorillas you've seen in David Attenborough documentaries are actually people in suits. Maybe they are all people in suits. No, don't don't go down that road, Piper. I just made it up. I know this is a fact-based podcast, but I just made it up. It was a it was a simple lampoon on my part, Piper. <laughs> Another one. That's two today. Listen, you can't start not telling me facts. You can't start masquerading lampoons as you put them as actual facts. Because I mean, you've seen the amount of trouble I have with all of this as it is. <laughs> anyway fucking hell <laughs> so he finally <laughs> continue um o'shaughnessy was after revealing himself as a human being brought out of the gorilla enclosure by very apologetic colleagues and officially reinstated as a human being 
Well, that's good news. It's nice to get some good news out of that. I'm glad he didn't die. I'm glad he didn't. Well, I mean, did he? Was he all right? <laughs> did he have any? Did he have any last any like lasting physical or psychological damage after being held captive and being confused with a wild animal for two days? He didn't suffer any physical damage. The gorillas didn't harm him, even after he revealed himself as a human. I think they were as surprised as everybody else, to be honest. Dave, is that you? <laughs> oh my god, Dave's a human. You were my best man at my wedding. <laughs> He also didn't suffer any immediate psychological damage. He didn't end up thinking he was a gorilla or anything like that. That's good. He is possibly suffering from PTSD, as he apparently now has an acute fear of costumes and costume parties. But not gorillas. And not gorillas, no. He attended the costume party not long after his ordeal and had a a bit of a, a breakdown, loudly insisting that he was a human being. Oh boy. Okay. Poor Dave. Colin. Colin. <laughs> Don't add to his 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 troubles. <laughs> oh dear. Okay. Yes. Colin, poor Colin. Right. If no one noticed is it possible chris that this sort of thing happens on purpose in some zoos if they're like you know like like just running low on captive wild animals well it is known that zoos will dress up animals as other animals what you know paint a horse with stripes to make a zebra or paint out the stripes on the zebra to make a horse are you just saying that a zebra is just a horse with stripes well effectively yes well, I mean, they probably don't see it like that, Chris. I mean, that's, I feel like that's sort of zebra racism. There's probably more to it like that. There's a whole culture of horseness and zebra-ness. Well, yes, okay. Um, a paint a house cat as a tiger. I put it close to the bar so it looks bigger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'd fool me. Or tape a bunch of animals together to make an elephant. And they all need to be grey animals. We can pay some grey afterwards. Oh, yeah, I suppose that's true. Yep, that'll work. So given Zoo's already unscrupulous behaviour, I suppose it's possible they could disguise a human as an animal. Although they'd need to stick to the apes, like gorillas. Unless they wanted to go down the route of a, a pantomime horse or a pantomime zebra. Which are two very different animals. I, I feel like, Chris, if... if if they did expect that of their employees and that wasn't in the contract, you probably have to maybe either be in a country where there aren't unions. <laughs> All right, so is this the first time a human's been mistaken for an animal? Largely so, yeah. I mean, unless they're dressed as an animal, humans are quite difficult to mistake for animals. I mean, this particular thing we're talking about here is a very specific incident involving people who really should have known better. Yeah. That said, the performers in the first public performance of the musical Cats went so method that some audience members believed they were actually cats. Well, even though they're human-sized and... Well, they were far away on the stage, so... (laughs) I once died and was resurrected as a small plate of garlic stuffed olives. Now that was a lie. It's important to understand the difference between facts and lies on this show, so to reinforce that difference, here is an actual fact as well. A yeti is loose in Wales. Yetis are mythical creatures in Himalayan folklore. There have been numerous yeti sightings since the early 1800s in Nepal and the Himalayas, though many turned out to be orangutans. Wales is no stranger to weird animal sightings too. In 1603, the people of Carmarthenshire reckoned they had a mermaid off the coast. Since the 1920s, Snowdonia National Park has frequently reported sightings of Teggy, a mythical beast that supposedly inhabits the water of Llyntegid in Bala. But non-native mythical creatures in Wales are a new one to me. A yeti, Chris! So this story begins with David Rees Owen, a raconteur and self-styled Welsh Ranulph Fiennes. Ranulph Fiennes, for those who don't know, was, well, is, sorry, 
a famed English explorer notable for his many adventures around the world. Rhys Owen is a popular figure in his native Wales, known for telling what most people recognise as tall tales about his numerous and outlandish adventures. As an alleged member of the SAS and supposed friend of John Actionman, Rhys Owen claims to have played a major role in many of the 20th century's armed conflicts. While as an apparently seasoned explorer, he maintains that he has conquered the Earth's most inhospitable locations. Wow, okay, so he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's an explorer and he's Welsh, okay. Cool, well, so what, and he found a yeti in Wales? Not in Wales, no. Right. Wait. So I'm just going to repeat what you said. A yeti is loose. A yeti in Wales and yeti. I got yeti in Wales. That's the, that's what I've got. But you've put the two words together in a fact. Here is a a, a crazy idea, Papa. Like just just hear me out here. How about you let me carry on with the facts, and maybe maybe you'll find out what's going on here. Well, I, I sure hope so, Chris. So one of these many adventures took Rhys Owen to the Himalayas. In this particular anecdote, his account of climbing to the summit of Mount Everest after losing all of his fingers from frostbite, fingers he was later able to sew back on with his toes, takes a back seat to his epic encounter with a yeti. You see... See, Piper? No, because, listen, how... <laughs> it's not a Yeti in Wales, though, is it? Fine, I'll, I'll, I'll continue to carry on with the facts. Fine. On, <laughs> on his way down the mountain, the fingerless Reese Owen came across the abominable snowman when it was asleep. He attempted to sneak past it, but the creature supposedly possessed preternatural hearing and woke up to attack the Welshman. Despite his dearth of digits, Rhys Owen wrestled with the creature, fighting a day-long battle which caused an avalanche that destroyed a nearby village. Eventually, Rhys Owen overcame the beast, knocking it unconscious, tying it up, and dragging it down the mountain. So not in the way, not in way, Yeti in the Himalayas, and not in the, not in the, not in Wales. Not in Wales yet, no. Ah, now you changed your fucking story, haven't you? I'm not changed. No, no, I'm not changed the story. The story is continuing. I'll allow it. Go on. <laughs> oh, oh, thank you, arbiter of narrative. <laughs> so, Yeti in tow, Reese Owain made his way back to Wales apparently stowing away on a series of ocean liners and seducing a series of wealthy widows on the way. Back in his homeland, Wales, Rhys Owen was planning to exhibit the Yeti to the public, but it managed to escape, and it now, according to Rhys Owen, prowls the wilds of Wales, mourning for his lost home and quite possibly plotting revenge against this heroic and handsome man who brought it to this foreign land full of sheep and cheese toasties. Right, so the Yeti's in Wales now. It is in Wales now, yes. You see how 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 stories progress. That's a very confusing story though, Chris. I mean, it's it's not confusing at all, is it? Well, you said this yeah, there's a Yeti in Wales, that's how you started. And then then you were like, well, it's not in Wales, is it? And I was like, okay, fine. I... Imagine Piper that you're watching Harry Potter for the first time. Now, somebody's told you this is about a boy called Harry Potter who's a wizard. But at the start of the film, he's not a wizard. And you're like, you told me he was a wizard. You lied to me. Right, okay. So once the Yeti gets to Wales, he's a wizard. Yes, that's the takeaway. from Once Harry Potter is dragged to Wales... By David Rhys Owen, he becomes a wizard. That's what this fact is all about. Fact three is there's a wizard loose in Wales. Um, good. Well, I'm. I I think I'm following this. Listen, right, Chris, this Yeti in Wales, not the Himalayas. Well, yeah, he, he's in Wales now. Yeah, yeah. He's a, yeah, he's in Wales now, and so it, it, but discovered by uh, non 
non-magical, real-life uh, Welsh Gilderoy Lockhart. That's a fairly apt comparison, yeah. Thank you. Um, so he he brought it back, and he was wanting to exhibit it and and to the public. How did it get away? How did it run? Or did it just 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 go? No, I'm a yeti. I want to go to the Welsh outsides. Well, Reese Owen tells a thrilling story in which she was staying overnight in a small Welsh village on his way to Cardiff to display the creature. The villagers, God-fearing Welsh people, but not all too bright, heard that he was harbouring a godless blight against nature and surrounded his lodgings, brandishing torches and pitchforks. They demanded that Reese Owen bring the monster out so that they could kill it. And though Reese Owen tried to talk them down, they ended up setting fire to the building. Reese Owen was forced to flee, and the last he saw of the Yeti, it was shambling out of the inferno and attacking the villagers. The next morning, Reese Owen returned to the blackened remains of the edifice to find all the villagers dead and Yeti tracks leading out into the countryside. He tried to follow, but he lost the trail halfway up Mount Snowden. So they wanted to kill the bad thing and because they're Welsh and they didn't understand. And then it escaped, basically. So after this point, did anyone actually, has anyone, has anyone spotted it? Can we, have we got, is, is there like a, any proper pictures of it? I'm not talking like blurry, stupid pictures. Anyone properly seen it, Chris? Well, obviously there's no actual photos of this thing. There's never anything but blurry footage of these things. Interestingly, though Reese Owen's story is almost certainly a fabrication, there have been several sightings of a large ape-like creature roaming the Welsh wild. Whether this means that there is at least some truth to Reese Owen's yarn, that some people have been taken in by his tall tales, or if there was already something out there in the Welsh countryside, is yet to be known. Right, yeah. I mean, it could be anything, couldn't it? It could be It could be another creature entirely, a, Welsh, a native Welsh creature. It could be, it could be uh, Colin O'Shaughnessy. It could be um, <laughs> an actual ape. I mean, who knows? Who, literally nobody knows. If I was an explorer, Chris, I would be taking a photo of the fucking creature as soon as I fucking see it. Oh, I've caught it. I've caught it. I'll bring it back to Wales. Right. Well, no, I'm not going to I'm not going to bother taking a picture of it at all. I've got it in my hands. Well, to be fair, he had no fingers at that point. Yeah, but he could sew his own fingers on with his toes. If he can do that with his toes, he can take a bloody selfie with a Yeti. I mean, possibly. He did apparently sew his fingers back on with his toes in a warmer climate. I mean, had he got his toes out to take a photo, they might have gotten frostbite as well. Or at least that's his story. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, well, Wales is famous for its folklore. Do the Welsh locals like the idea that they've got their own cryptid now too? Well, it's not the first Welsh cryptid. There's the Afanc, a lake monster said to look like either a crocodile, a beaver, or a dwarf. They are all very different things. They are. It makes you wonder whether this actually exists, because obviously crocodiles and beavers and dwarves don't look very much like each other. This is like that bit in Notting Hill where the guy at the bookshop goes, I've just bet Ringo Starr, and he goes... Oh, are you sure? And he goes, yeah. Or it could have been Topol from Fiddler on the Roof. And then he's like, but then nothing alike. And he's like, no, that is true. Yes, well, I've never seen Notting Hill, so good one. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> There's the Gwithki, a spectral hound with flaming red eyes. Cool. Very cool. Very cool. It's really cool. Like The imagery is really cool. It's way cooler than a bloody Yeti, isn't it? Well, I mean, the Yeti is a big, hairy ape man. So I guess it's because it depends how much you like apes. I suppose I've, I've, I've had it ruined for me by Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> yes. And the Dundivide, a horrible half-man, half-sheep creature, said to be the unholy issue of some illicit liaison. Interesting. As to Reese Owen's monster, most Welsh people have welcomed the idea of their very own yeti, going so far as to name it the Dun Era Fiaid Argomri, 
or the Welsh Abominable Snowman. Cool. However, some Welsh people are annoyed that some foreign cryptid has come over here and is stealing attention away from perfectly good Welsh cryptids. They think the Yeti should stay in the Himalayas (laughs) and ensure that the Himalayas remain economically viable instead of coming over here. Are you done? Yeah. Good. So, Chris, Reese Owen. Reese Owen. Has he got any other interesting stories to tell? He's got loads of stories. He claims to have discovered the lost city of Atlantis. What? Though the place he describes sounds suspiciously like the setting of the 2018 superhero film Aquaman. Has he just watched Aquaman? Did he did he do it in 2018? If he did it before that, then maybe actually he, <laughs> he could probably have a chat with the people who made Aquaman and be like, "Hang on, listen, I done this already." But I'm guessing I'm guessing what you're going to tell me now is is it, he he said that after Aquaman came out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He has allegedly flown to the moon in a rocket of his own design. Right. It, this is this is going a bit beyond what explorers are expected to do. I feel like it's you stick to your genre, you know. You're not Elon Musk. Well, I mean, not to defend his making up of things, but why should the moon be exempt from the explorer's genre, as you put it? Well, I just think it's a... I, I think... Uh... I mean, did not Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin explore the moon? Well, if you will swap words around in a sentence to make you sound cleverer, then I'm not going to listen to you. <laughs> what words am I swapping? Oh, no, you didn't swap them around. You just... You just, you just didn't, you didn't say didn't, you said did not. And I was like, oh, hang on, he's, he's, he's going to say something clever now. Oh, so I said the whole thing rather than a contraction, and that confused you. Well, if you're going to minimise contractions in the middle of a sentence, like a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Reese Owen insists that he was the inspiration behind Indiana Jones and Nicolas Cage's character in National Treasure and Mario. (laughs) Right, I have some questions. (laughs) Indiana Jones, not Welsh. Well, he was the inspiration behind. So, you know, they adapted his... Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Well, don't give me that. Give Reese Owen that. All right, I'll give Reese Owen that. Okay, I don't know what I'm giving him anymore. I've lost track. But, like... (laughs) But Mario, did he have it? Did he have an? Yeah, no. Listen, right, no. Did he have another job? Did was he a, was he a somehow inexplicably an Italian plumber as well as being a Welsh raconteur? Well, he's not Italian, but he does claim to be a proficient plumber. He also claims to have rescued a princess from a castle and to gain mysterious powers upon consuming mushrooms. Facts are like biscuits. They're round, crumbly, and break up at the bottom of your gym bag if you forget about them. Keep that in mind as we delve into the biscuity goodness of the final fact. What is it? There is a museum of crisps that look like celebrities. We love museum facts on this show, don't we, Chris? We do. We all remember the museum, museum, museum. Yes, well, yeah. Yeah, I'm still campaigning online for the founding of the museum, museum, museum. But... It already exists. Or do do wait no, so sorry, I missed the word out. <laughs> Guess what the word was. <laughs> I'm gonna do it again, but you can just leave that in if you want. Yeah, I'm still campaigning online for the founding of a museum, 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 museum. So this this concept really excites me though, because I've I've stumbled across crisps that look like people before. In in my otherwise uneventful life, I have happened upon crisps that look like people. As a child, I once found a crisp that looked like British former sprint and hurdling track and field athlete and television presenter Chris Akabusi. I obviously nicknamed it Chris Akabusi. I also had a crisp that looked like my Uncle John. I nicknamed that crisp John. What an imagination. Well, what? 
fuck off. What else am I going to call it? Then I, more recently, I found another crisp. This time, well, it didn't look like anyone I knew, but it definitely was someone. I was going to keep it in case I met the person who it was supposed to be one day, but I, I, I yeah, I ended, I, I, I ended up eating it because it was prawn cocktail flavored, and that's my favorite. But I can't remember what I, what it looked like to be honest. Actually, I can't remember who it looked like at all. But I'm wishing I, 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 I am wishing I kept it now because they've set up a crisp museum, haven't they? Because like, what if it was a crisp that was supposed to look like a famous child actor and or something like? Uh, Daniel Radcliffe, like if it was that, like <laughs> if it was supposed to be, if it was supposed to be like Daniel Radcliffe, then then I bet they'd, they'd love that at the Chris Museum, wouldn't they? I'd make my millions. Anyway, <laughs> what's up with the Chris Museum? So the International House of Celebrity Potato Chips in Tennessee styles itself as the Madame Two Swords of crisps. A full clarification: I will be saying crisps and not chips throughout this fact. Why would you say chips? Those are an entirely different food stuff. Well, we do have the occasional American stumble across our serious fact-based academic podcast, and I wouldn't want them to be confused. Like the celebrated wax museum, it features the likenesses of historical figures and contemporary celebrities. But instead of meticulously crafted wax sculptures, it's crisp that look like famous people. Well, yes. I mean, I, I, I grasp the concept. It's a very basic concept. Like wax works, but not wax. It's crisps instead. But they still look like celebrities, so it's kind of the same. Cool. Except it's not on purpose, though, is it? Like the crisps haven't been made into celebrities on purpose like the waxworks have. Imagine if it, if the waxworks were like made into celebrities by accident. And they were just like, it's just like, ah, oh, fuck, I made, tried to make a candle and it just gone and fucked it up. <laughs> yeah. I've tried to make a candle, but it ends up looking like Dwayne Johnson. How did this happen? Guess I'll have to start a museum. Yes, well, that would be a much better museum, accidental waxworks. But... let's just like continue on the crisp path because obviously that's somehow significant how did that how did it how did it start so the international house of celebrity potato chips began as a small exhibit in a local exhibition space featuring a handful of crisps the owner crispin chipman had found that looked like John Cusack. Friends and family began giving Shipman crisps they found that looked like other famous people. And he soon had enough to open a small roadside attraction. As he gathered more crisps that looked like famous people and his museum grew in popularity, Shipman was able to expand his premises and now accepts crisps that look like celebrities from all around the world, so long as they pass a strict vetting process. Right, are you telling me that it gets people contacting him? Like, I'm guessing there's like, like people like me, like obviously like me, I'm the sort of person that would get involved in this, aren't I? I, I? I'd go on Google and I'd go, Google, listen, right, I've got this uh, crisp and it's a bit person-shaped. <laughs> how, how can I utilise that power? And Google's like, yeah, well, listen, there's this guy in Tennessee and he'll sort you out. So if I was there, then going to go to Tennessee, bring in my crisp, or I even take a picture of it during the pandemic, obviously you can't just like, can't just like bring someone a crisp for no good reason. Just to clarify, Piper, like people don't necessarily bring them in person. They'll send them to him. Fuck off. It's a crisp. I'm not going to risk that. I'll, I will get on a fucking plane with that crisp in my hand. <laughs> yeah, into your hand. Just all the way through airport security, just cupping this crisp in your hand. Well, it depends how much it looks like the celebrity I think it might look like. I, I You know, it, it, it's important, Chris. You've got to get it right. So I'll get, I'll get it to this guy. And what, like, just theoretically, like, what's, what's going to happen if I get it to him and he goes, right, you, what have you got? And I'll go, I've got a crisp. <laughs> They go, right, well, you've come to the right place. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Crispy, you say? Yeah, so I say, I say, well, it it happens to look like rapper and actor Ice Cube. And he goes, right, well, let's have a look then. Well, obviously, the first step is to make sure the crisp unambiguously looks like who it's supposed to look like. So know if you hold it at this angle or in a certain light or if you squint a bit, it looks like them. 
Yeah, because it's not a picture that you're showing at the museum. It's the actual crisp and people will see that from all angles. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Chipman then checks to see if the crisp has been tampered with. Tampered with? Um, Yeah, um, if it's been painted to look like someone or if it's clearly part of a larger crisp that's been broken down to look more like someone. Or even if someone has baked their own crisp at home specifically to look like a person. I mean, what? Honestly, see, people have got such time on their hands, haven't they? Well, there was a pandemic going on. <laughs> yeah. After banana bread, the craze was baking single crisps to look like Beyonce. Do you know what? After all of this, after 2020, I, would, I just would not be surprised if that was the next trend. Finally... The crisp has to look like an actual famous person that people know about and not some obscure actor or, you know, your mum or something. Right, yeah, yeah. Chipman also turns away certain likenesses. For example, for many years now, he has declined to accept any more Jesus crisps, citing a surplus of messianic snacks. Do you think that's because um, people are looking out for Jesus ones? Jesus crisps or is it because Jesus is really trying to send a message through crisps and it's just not getting through <laughs> he's really trying to come back but he's not quite powerful <laughs> enough yet and the only way he can do it right now is through crisps yes it's just a crisp based resurrection so far <laughs> so do the celebrities whose crisp ganger features at the museum do they know about it do they care do they give a shit well, part of the reason the International House of Celebrity Potato Chips has garnered its own level of celebrity is that Chipman invites those famous people who have a crisp that looks like them in the museum to come and have their photograph taken with their crisp base likeness. Does this ever work? Do they do they like doing that? Do they do the celebrities come and have their pictures taken with a crisp? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, so if, if I was James Earl Jones, famous for everything but his face, and I got told that my face was a crisp, I mean, I wouldn't bother. I wouldn't bother because I'd be like, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be doing my voice stuff, the, the really low voice thing that I do on everything that gets me lots of money. So, no. Well, yeah, I mean, not everyone accepts the invitation, but... Some famous people have turned up to have their photo taken with a crisp that looks like them, including Dolly Parton. Whoa! Arnold Schwarzenegger. Fucking hell. Yeah, but these two, those two so far, I'm sure you've got others on the list, but those two so far, they'll fucking do anything. They'll open a fucking <laughs> shopping mall in Milton Keynes, wouldn't they? Probably. Tony Blair. There you go. The kid from Stranger Things. Which kid? You know, the, the kid, one with the teeth. <laughs> okay, yeah. And Gina G. <gasps> I love Gina G. Well, used to fancy her. Of um, OOR fame. Yep, 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 yep. Love her. Yeah, she's great. So this is a this is a crisp museum. Is it just is it just crisps though? Because like I feel like once you've seen maybe four 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 crisps that look like celebrities, I feel like that's where the interest will start to wane a little bit. Just four. Well, well, I, I mean, if they're really bloody good, maybe maybe five or six. All right. Well, despite your scepticism, the continued popularity of the International House of Celebrity Potato Ships has inspired Chipman to expand his exhibits to include other foodstuffs that look like famous people. Not long before the museum was forced to close due to COVID-19 restrictions, Chipman had opened a celebrity toast exhibit which featured slices of toast which appear to bear the image of the likes of Barack Obama, Elvis Presley and Bill Loddy. I mean, once you've seen all the crisps, you'll be begging for some toast. So I think that's that's just bang on, really. That, that'd be great. It's like a, pal a palate cleanser with food, but without the eating. Yes. And when the museum is able to reopen, 
Shipman is looking forward to opening a new exhibit of root vegetables that look like famous people, including a whole group of turnips that look like the entire cast of hit NBC and Yahoo screen sitcom Community. Hashtag six seasons and a movie. Wow. I, I, I can't picture it though, Chris. I can't picture how... Well, it's a turnip. Well, several turnips that look like... John McHale and Alison Brie and Yvette Nicole Brown and Donald Glover and Danny Pudi and Gillian Jacobs and Ken Jeong and Jim Rash. As their characters, Jeff Winger, Annie Edison, Shirley Bennett, Troy Buttsuit Barnes, Abed Nadir, Britta Perry, Benjamin Chang and Dean Craig Pelton. Well, thank you for clarifying all of that for <laughs> no reason whatsoever. But I, Chris, what's the what's the museum actually like then? So, like, just beyond like beyond the normal crisp stuff, like, what's what's if I went to that museum, what would be my experience of that museum? I mean, if you've ever been to Madame Tussauds, then you'll know the kind of thing to expect. I've not, but I've been to the shit um, shit. Well, I kind of have. I've been to the shit one in Blackpool. Okay, so it's you know it's basically just. It's it's just crisps. It's crisps. Just crisps. Crisps that look like people. Famous people. Crisps that look like famous people. Right. Well, at least you know what you're getting. I mean, it is split into zones. Like politicians, film stars, musicians, sports people, history people. From the history times. Um. Yes, from the, the, the various history times, yes. Um, and Chipman has tried to make the museum more engaging by recreating famous scenes from films with crisps that look like the actors from the films. Great. So there's a crisp that looks like Harvey Keitel and a crisp that looks like Steve Buscemi arranged to look like the famous tableau from, from Reservoir Dogs. But using crisps. Using crisps that look like Harvey Keitel and Steve Buscemi, yes. Wow. There's a crisp that looks like Kate Winslet and a crisp that looks like Leonardo DiCaprio on a little model of the Titanic, recreating the famous I'm King of the World scene from the film Titanic, starring Kate Winslet and Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, right. I'm, I'm sad that they didn't do the other scene, the scene that I, I'm a bitch who can't get the fuck off the rafter thing that can clearly have two people on it. I thought you were going to go down the the um, the paint me like your French girls scene route. <laughs> paint me like your French fries. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Well, that's 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 really exciting. So it's worth it's worth going to then. Yeah, if you like. Bits of fried potato that look like people. It's great. Um, well, as it so happens, I do. Um, do you think this is the most attention crisps have got beyond their, you know, their their, their original use as a crisp? <laughs> beyond crisps' use as crisps. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> what else could I use this thin slice of fried or baked potato for? I can't use it to hammer a nail or fashion clothing. Or perform complex calculations, so I guess I'll have to eat it. It's a shame this one looks like nobody. I guess I'll have to <laughs> eat it. <laughs> yeah, answer the question. Come on. Um, I mean, I mean, probably. I mean, I guess you can't really use Chris for anything else, can you? Well, I didn't realise you could use them for anything other than eatings until I met Chris Akabusi. I mean, I guess you can use them as a a Tazo delivery service. <laughs> Tazo delivery service there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was that was possibly the peak. Peak crisp. <laughs> We've done it now, guys. Stop making crisps. There's no point. Okay, that is it. You have been listening to Chickens Can't See Cubes with me, Piper Doors. I can be found on Twitter at Piper Talks and Christopher Parr from the Munchausen Institute. I can be found on Twitter at Trilby Norton, and the Institute can be found at Photo Ray Ray, which is M-U-I-N-F-O-T-O-R-E-R-E. 
as if you needed reminding. And you can contact the podcast on Twitter at C-Cubes. That's S-W-E-C-U-B-E-S. And Facebook and Instagram at Chicken Scout C-Cubes. Please be sure to rate and review the episode on your chosen podcast app. It really helps the show. Thank you for listening to Chicken Scout C-Cubes. And remember, you probably could make it up, but we haven't. Honest. And we'll catch you once again on next week's show. Goodbye, everyone. Bye-bye. I frequently have long wees, and I'm like, I wonder, I wonder if this is the longest one this time. I, you know, is this, is this the special one? The longest one so far. The special one. This is the one that will make me famous. <laughs> Hannah, get Guinness on the line. This is important. <laughs> no, not the lager. <laughs> the records, people. <laughs>